Hello and welcome to Imp's LOP Radio Adventure live on speaker. Uh, in a second we'll get going live on YouTube and whatnot. Uh, and to someone who did message, actually got a message which I quite liked from somebody saying, uh, could you at least like try and, I don't know, mask the fact <laughs> that you're just, uh, just clicking about doing stuff? And the answer is... If I, uh, uh, no. <laughs> I need to think of a way of doing it. Just have something prepared which I've mentalised and can spend a little second just going through and over before I can actually figure out what I'm doing. I mean, I'm getting quicker at it. I've already done it. Oh, I'll do that in like 20 seconds. I'm getting good at it. <laughs> anyway, uh, in a second we'll be going live on YouTube and then get the show overall starting. But this is like the extra preview you get for the podcast. The extra bang for your buck. Or whatever. Because I can't multitask and set everything up at once. Anyway... So we're going to be going live now on YouTube as well. So I guess you enjoyed this little minute of nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Anyway, see you in a couple of seconds. When I remember to click the thing. There we go. Right. Go live. There we go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Imp's LOP Radio Adventure, or Imp, or was it no, Imp on LOP, Imp on LOP, that's it, I like to say it quickly, I came up with that months ago. Anyway, this is LOP Radio on YouTube, on Spreaker, and wherever you get your podcast feeds. I don't know what to call it once it's becoming wrestling headlines. Lordsofpain.net is slowly making the move over from Lords of Pain to wrestling headlines, just in the, getting some news out of the way first, just in terms of the site and the admin kind of side of it. But yes, is it WH Radio? Do I call it LOP Radio just to keep the reminder of the Lords of Pain name and bands keeping that stuck with wrestling headlines because I know the site has meant a lot to a lot of people. I guess I guess me included as well. It's kept my fandom alive when it probably wouldn't have if I hadn't become part of this community and then become a writer for the site and then become a podcaster for the site. I oh, know it's the other way around. Podcaster, then a writer for the site. Yeah, it's been a nice thing that's kept my fandom alive. Uh, and that leads particularly well into... This week, where the the times right now, it's like no under no illusion that times right now are tough and difficult. And you're like to say, when I logged into YouTube today, I had a message telling me I can finally say COVID nineteen without getting demonetized. Like just to say, just to make a kind of point that if I've if I've not really mentioned the name really, I probably have. No, me, I've been going live at four a.m. <laughs> I've not had my brain. I'm going live at midnight, and this is early for me. But yeah, so there's a point of, uh, oh, why haven't YouTubers or live podcasters uh, been saying the, the word? That's why. You get you would have got demonetized if we even mentioned it. And I, just to say how bleak the times are, that was the message I got. Oh, by the way, you can mention the virus now. Thanks, YouTube. <laughs> nice and positive start to the day. But anyway, so today it's going to be talking about the week after WrestleMania. And the reason that I brought up the site is because this is a difficult time, really. But... At a time where I am, uh, if it wasn't for this site, if it wasn't for this thing here with the podcast, if it wasn't for the columns that I write as well, I probably would have tuned out of wrestling. Because 
It's a, like being perfectly honest. They've there's been really good output. Like I think like the consensus is this week has been surprisingly good. It's I guess the way to explain kind of the general consensus of how this week of WrestleMania has been, be it including NXT and AEW as well. That it's been of a surprisingly high level. I've generally enjoyed when I've watched it. However, I have very little little mental space to really care. Like, or, or to even put out, like, genuine critique of anything. Like, there's lots of, like, you're seeing think pieces going up on the uh, Bray Wyatt John Cena match of the Five of the Five Life Funhouse. You're seeing full-on critiques of the WrestleMania event itself and of every, like, Raw and NXT. Uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa had a, another cinematic match in their championship. They kind of twisted it to be like that. Uh, I guess closer to... Has there been a cinematic match actually in the ring? I guess the like the the original. I guess the final deletions, like those ones the, the, in t- in Impact for the Hardys. I guess those because they were just straight up matches done in like that, that creative manner. They weren't wacky stories or anything. So I guess that's closest to Champa Gargano. Yeah, so they did that, and there's already massive critiques going up about it. But I just don't have any mental space to really care. Like, there's such bigger things going on in the world that I'm really struggling to really care about wrestling. However, suddenly, I still have my obligations to do this weekly podcast. I still have my obligations to cover WrestleMania with the Aftershock shows. I still... Because this is more of a person... If you've listened to me on Aftershock, then jumped onto here. Um, then I know a couple of people have done before. Because they told me. So, I guess that's nice. <laughs> Good feedback from Aftershock. But, this is more personable, this show. Uh, but with... Jumping from... yeah, So I had Aftershocks to keep me doing WrestleMania. So As in, I was 100% going to watch WrestleMania because I'm covering it for Lords of Pain. Not because I'm super hyped for the show or anything. That helps with the excitement in a way. As in, it takes out the, it takes out the equation, the question of, am I watching it? Because yes, because I'm covering it for the site. And like with this show this week, when I woke up today, I had no desire to do this. I watched AEW, I enjoyed it. Didn't really have many comments on it. Uh, like everybody else, I really enjoyed the women's match on the show. Thought it was the best of wrestling television this week, personally. Um, I do know that NXT's been putting on, on takeover-style stuff. Um, I don't know. I just... I think I'm able to turn my brain off and just enjoy the flow of AEW. There's something about the WWE presentation where I can't really do that with my brain. I don't know what it is. And that even seeps into NXT. I can't turn my brain off and just enjoy it to the same level I can with just AEW. Maybe it's just a personal preference thing. Like In terms of all the shows, that's the one I gravitate to the most. If New Japan were putting out ones, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the one I gravitate to the most at the moment, But because they're not... Again, different country, different scenario. Uh, but... Yeah, so I don't really have the mental space to really care about wrestling, but these shows force me to do it, therefore I'm forced to think. Uh, like This week, I had no idea what I was doing, so I went to Photoshop, made the image the week after WrestleMania, forced myself to come up with an idea, realised the finger on the picture was tickling Drew McIntyre's armpit. Uh, I tried to move it so it was poking the nipple, but then I was <laughs> and then my, the picture of me just crossed over to the side. So... Uh, I've been spending my isolation in a really, really productive manner. <laughs> Did I want to be tickling Drew McIntyre's armpit or poking his nipple? Oh, time well spent <laughs> on super serious matters. So, so that was that was my day today. Just trying to convince myself that not trying to come up with something because I do these shows to like some kind of emotional take on the wrestling world. And my take really is that with everything that's going on. 
I just don't have the mental space to care. That is my take of this week. They are putting out a good product, but I'm I'm just I'm just not here. I'm distracted by other things. I'm helping out my parents because they're both vulnerable. I'm the one going to see the shop for them to pick up everything, getting their prescriptions and all that. I've got so much on my mind. I don't really care about wrestling right now, but I'm extremely happy for the distraction. So this is where kind of WrestleMania comes in and the perception of WrestleMania. We're now a few days out from the events taking place. So we've got a bigger perception. We can look back on it now. We're already looking back on it and how has it gone down? What is the perception of the events? Was it a success? I'll say yes, it was. It's in context, though. I don't know if this is going to be a super rewatchable WrestleMania years down the line. If it's going to be known as this really unique thing, but like maybe people aren't hitting it up on the WWE Network because they'll go for the big crowd stuff or the huge storyline things where you got that emotional investment from the audience as well, which really does add to the presentation. So that'd be interesting. But within this week, with us still in lockdown, with us still all isolating from everybody we know. I Again, I'm lucky. I've gone to my parents, so I've got a garden I can go into. I've been taking care of that as well. And that really, in terms of mental health, that really helps. So I, I And I realise I'm really lucky in that aspect. But wrestling has been an incredible distraction, just from everything. Uh, WrestleMania really succeeded in that. So in terms of the immediate how did WrestleMania go down, I want to call it an overwhelming success. Because there was, a, there was, again, WrestleMania normally succeeds when it's got variety. Therefore, there's at least one thing for you to latch onto. Like, I may not really care for Otis versus who do you play? Uh, Dolph Ziggler. I may, not re- I may not really care. However, I can't argue the fact that some people were like incredibly into that feud and it hit home for them. So that was something for them to attach to. Because that was my bar for WrestleMania this year. I wasn't really measuring it up against other stuff because the context is so unique. So, like, it's, it's not just, like, my life. This is, this is, yeah, not just my lifetime. Of course, we're talking people, like, elderly people. It's the, In their lifetimes, this is the first time this has happened. Like, anything like it. I mean, there's been rations before, but I mean, full-on context like this. That you kind of do have to, comp- like, just, you can't you can't compare this WrestleMania to a different WrestleMania. Um, you go into in your head because, of course, the presentation style and everything. But there just isn't that. It's not really fair to do so, given the context, given the limitations in place, given the time limitations in place as well. Like the fact they did a full-blown six-hour, well, we'll get to a seven or eight-hour WrestleMania. They got that all done and Raw and SmackDown and I think another Raw as well and NXT. <laughs> that is kind of, and of course, had to do that all before the performance center was closed. I think during the week on a Thursday, just it got closed by whatever, whichever place it is in. Is it in Tampa? No, I can't remember. But it's it is this really it's really cool thing that they pulled it off. And I, was talk- I can't remember who was talking to you on Twitter, but it was a question of is it brave or is it stupid? And last week on this show, I was saying I'm e- I was aiming towards the side I think of stupid back then. Whilst now I I feel more like it's both being brave in the face of of blatant danger <laughs> what you are being brave in front of it to put something out there even though it's not exactly the smartest thing to be doing it but it can't you can't ignore that it's brave to do so so it's yeah <laughs> but WrestleMania was a fan I am selfishly grateful for the distraction 
which I think is a point that I've been getting to slowly <laughs> over the course of time. WrestleMania was a fantastic distraction. There were little bits that I do want to praise now that I'm not live at four in the morning and I've actually got some thoughts about me. <laughs> Contrary to evidence with me stuttering a bit. But so with the Firefly Funhouse, I think on the night I called it Lynchian, I've since rewatched it. Keep in mind they were immediate thoughts. I I was watching that at three o'clock in the morning and then I immediately went live. And the next morning, because uh, I had I did get a message from someone saying calling me an idiot for saying that, and my and it was just saying it's nothing like a Lynch movie. <laughs> I was just like I did. So I did clarify on Twitter. But of course, if you listen to AfterShock and then you jump to this and you don't follow me on Twitter, just to then give what I said the point because I I did go into what I meant by that on the show. But of course, sometimes it's lost. Maybe I wasn't clear because again, it was four in the morning. It's gonna happen. When I said something has. Lynchian, oh, what was the bloody word? It had Lynchian feels. That's not right. It's not a bloody. Word. <laughs> it had Lynchian. Why didn't I write this down? This is video tone. <laughs> it's amazing live content as well. It had yeah, it had Lynchian parts about it, but all like influences, blatant influences within it. And um, what I meant by that was it was a dream. But it was John Cena's dream, but he didn't have control of it. So I think the other film I brought up as well was Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's kind of the the dream thing where it's John Cena's dream, but he's not the one in control. He's experiencing it, and it's somebody else that's guiding him through it, teaching him the lesson, which I guess brings Scrooge into it as well. Uh, The demon part will be Nightmare on Elm Street, and the kind of crazy loopiness of it all in a way is the Lynchian kind of style of it as well. And given the darkness of everything around him, then you're focusing on certain things. That's the framing, I wouldn't say is lynching, but the idea for the technique is. So the kind of point I was making, <laughs> I've ended up going a bit long-winded because I couldn't bloody remember a word. But when I said something has Lynchian parts about it, that doesn't mean it is a David is like watching a David Lynch movie. It's like, no, it's taken influence from it. Therefore, there are certain aspects about it which are like that because it's taken influence that doesn't make it pretty much equivalent to watching a film that is that. <laughs> like, no, like the greatest creators all steal, which is a, uh, it's a, it's, uh, it's a, it's kind of quote. <laughs> Forgetting all the words tonight, but yeah. So what I kind of meant by that was what I just said there. It's taken influence from the thing, and I, I picked out a couple of things as other things as well with the Scrooge idea, with the Nightmare on Elm Street kind of demon in the dream type of thing. All of those together create this madness because like another way I was thinking of it was it's like if in the David not a David Lynch movie but in a David Lynch dream sequence in one of his movies or TV shows whatever like the Twin Peaks I guess more specifically is what I'm thinking where you're watching it and you don't really know what's going on this was more like if you watch those dream sequences and it's got something happens and that something is odd but you've got somebody guiding you and telling you the entire time what is happening and what this next step is, what it means. <laughs> so that's kind of what The Fiend was doing. It was this odd, weird stuff happening. But The Fiend was describing what was going on the entire time. Especially when you watch it in the middle of the day rather than at 3am. Or you, <laughs> It's quite easy to follow, it turns out. Bray Wyatt guiding you the entire time through this weird dream sequence. Hence why it's more screw. That's why, it's why the Scrooge thing comes into it. Because there is that kind of guidance from the demon, the Elm Street demon ghost <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, and of course at the end John Cena fades away. Uh, but I genuinely really loved that match. 
Uh, I've been playing the video game Control, which has got heavy David Lynch influences in it as well. Like, it's got the Bureau stuff, so it's got a bit of X Files in there as well. Um, I've just hit a difficulty barrier, and I don't have these things called observation, uh, observational skills, and concentration. <laughs> so suddenly, oh, oh, I've hit a brick wall with this game. <laughs> so I'm trying my best, but it's a uh, my mind is already on like the David Lynch kind of feels of stuff. Because that game, as the game video game I'm playing, so your mind already gets starts thinking that way. Then I watch the theme thing, and the influences are there. It's just well, as soon as I got that message, I was just like, I feel like I need to clarify here, especially as I'm pretty certain I said it on air, but now I've said it again in detail and stuttering all over the place as I repetitively f- forgot words because I didn't write notes for this because <laughs> it wasn't in the script. I was meant to quickly mention it and move on. Uh, but yeah, so in terms of pros coming out. For all really, let's actually join the two points together. The Firefly Funhouse and the Boneyard match have arguably been the two most talked about matches since the event, which is, I guess, is a massive pro in terms that they were, I guess, a huge gamble because there's such a departure from the norm compared to the way that they ended WrestleMania with Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre. That's par for the cause. But with the Boneyard match ending night while in the Firefly Funhouse... That is so out there for WWE that it's kind of insane that they did them both on both shows and gave them such a heavy spot as well. As in, they didn't put them slap bang in the middle of the card or whatever. They were semi-main event on night two and main event at night one. And both of them were different, which really, really helped. One was more of a straight-up bizarre fight, I guess, but it didn't really veer from the fight. And the other one was a a fantastical... Not fantastical dream. (laughs) One was, again, a more uh, dream with a purpose. The dream had a message, even if it seemed a little bit weird. Everything had meaning. Uh, And, again, that meaning was explained. So, yeah, more like a a Scrooge dream-like tale. And... That means it's so different from the Undertaker match, and some people preferred one over the other. I This is where it's difficult, because both of them really succeeded in their own personal way of going for it. I guess in terms of like which one did I prefer, I've only watched the Firefly Funhouse again, but that's more because the weird dream thing, what's going on, trying to solve everything, has meaning. That's right up my street. Straight up... Two Southerners fighting at a stable. <laughs> I've made it more Christmassy than it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one appeals to me more than the other. Uh, I love the I love the nature of the fiend. For like from day one, I've been right in there with the fiend and everything he does. Uh, and yeah, a lot of this, a lot of his stuff is kind of out there and different. I'm not entirely sure if it all works. Some of it is a bit too just weird and strange. I guess when he cut Daniel Bryan's hair, that was an odd ending to SmackDown. But I'm right in there. Especially with the cryptic speeches having, like, everything there has a meaning. It doesn't always hold the same weight as everything. But it's all meaning. It's all, it all progresses to a point. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if everybody behind the creative of the rivalry always gets the points that are being made here. But as long as they're in talks with each other, you get genius like this here. Which is kind of a prime example for the Firefly House of just the, the multiple creative minds working together perfectly. Compared to, I guess, Edge Orton, where there's a little bit of a clash kind of happening. Uh, this was kind of perfect. In terms of everything. Same with AJ Styles versus The Undertaker. It was perfectly done. In terms of what he wanted to do. Crazy fight. The Undertaker got shed pyro. <laughs> so obviously, a massive positive there with shed pyro. Like, I can't... I can't fault a match that at the end of it, somebody's got their logo shot onto a shed. 
And, and some, some, I can't remember who it was, but somebody's making a point of, that means that Undertaker must have gone and set that up earlier in the day. <laughs> he just got it all set up, including the light. And when I win, I'm going to have my logo just shone onto the shed, and it's going to look awesome. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes. Yeah, I uh, I love the craziness of that. I was properly into that match. It was in- teleportation and all... Uh, destroying Gallows and Anderson, chokeslamming AJ off of the... I'm calling it a shed. I don't know if it was. Well, it's just a big wooden thing. Structure. There's a the graveyard around them. It was a bit bigger, so I'm assuming it's a barn, but calling it a shed's a bit more comical standing. But yeah, I really enjoyed the Boneyard match. I really enjoyed the Firefly Funhouse match. And the fact that those are the two that are being talked about most afterwards, that really pleases me. Because again, they were huge gambles. They're not part of the norm at all. And yeah, I'm generally pleased that those two are being talked about afterwards. But it's especially as the wrestling part was good, but I don't really have any desire to watch any of that again, which I guess is the difference here. Like doing your best with what you can, the more cinematic stuff I'm finding way easy to go back for a rewatch, unless it's like a crazy stump stump ball, like the two ladder matches we got this week. Uh, I really enjoyed the triple threat ladder match. However, I couldn't give less of... Well, no, to try that one again. I I realised I jumped on to the next topic I really enjoyed the triple threat ladder match at Wrestlemania it was kind of it's a bit weird on the face of it but then the, once you understand the context of one of the competitors in the Miz turned up showing symptoms and was immediately sent home suddenly you think what the hell are we going to do here triple threat singles match I guess why not just go for that perfectly fine with it and it was uh, the stunt ball stuff and John Morrison is so inventive in these spots so is Kofi Kingston and the first time I've seen Jey Uso as a singles competitor was it Jimmy? <laughs> I think it was Jimmy uh, and Uso was uh, also showed off how kind of great he is in this context as well so yeah anyway so with the next what's the bloody next thing I was meant to be talking about oh yeah the NXT I was comparing it to the other ladder match <laughs> so with the NXT ladder match that was like a constant non-stop uh, kind of like moving from next bit to next bit just complete chaos hardly any downtime you move from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing and it builds and builds and builds and Candice Lerae nearly dies <laughs> and it's a uh, yeah if you have if you have, if was to choose between the two ladder matches because again I compared the two pre-taped cinematic stuff uh, Champa Girl Gano is, I guess, a cinematic match, I guess, of sorts. It's not cinematic, really inventive, coming out of the arena, doing whatever they can, off-location sh- off shoots type of thing. It's inventive in the arena. It's his own thing, really. Wasn't a massive fan, <laughs> really. It's an odd one. I feel like I should have loved that, but I was kind of watching it, kind of... Uh, maybe that's because I generally just enjoyed the nature of AW. I didn't really want something to that I'd have to sink my emotion into. I'd have to just turn my brain off and just get lost in a world, I guess, of silly wrestling. That's what AEW Dynamite gave me. NXT was a bit, I guess, emotionally heavy with that Gorgana match. The Lander match was right on my street, though. Bloody you loved it. From spot, spot, spot. Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair excites me so. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to that. That could be one hell of a match. Especially, I guess that's the next thing to move on as well. Well, finish your point first, Imp. <laughs> so, the main point I'm saying is these kind of stunt matches really do work. In the WWE style of matches, the ladder match really does work. Like, the stunt-heavy spot from spot to spot, uh, they work a treat. Because you don't really have any downtime to realise the crowd's not there. Like, in a, in a match where the wrestler stops and he talks and you hear the words that they're saying and they try and get over the... Oh, the psychology of the match. Try and get over the story that they're telling and the characters... 
Uh, yeah, I didn't want to say psychology. <laughs> Trying to get oh yeah over the story and the characters. Like Seth Rollins gave no ends, but you do realise that there is no crowd there during the thing. Even though it is good, you do that realisation does hit you. Even though you're still enjoying it, ladder matches from from spot to spot to spot. You just don't have any time. Maybe that's the power of editing as well. Just cutting out little rest bits and you just immediately jump to the next spot as well. That's for me. That'll be like a good style of editing, which is what Edge Orton really needed. You just trim the fat you don't need to necessarily cut out huge chunks or whole chunks i arguably would have but you don't need to do that you could just trim the fat and then it kind of helps it flow a little bit better again that's my main takeaway from edge orton as well just it needed trimming it was way too big uh but with the ladder matches you generally enjoyed them uh, the next point i'm going to get on kind of like the final one with nxt I know penultimate one with NXT because there's the UK stuff. Because I'm British, I'll talk about that. Now, Charlotte Flair, I've seen quite a lot of dislike for Charlotte Flair winning the NXT Championship. I've never really been on that bandwagon. It's a, it's an odd one, really. <laughs> I've never understood the... I've never been part of the thinking of Charlotte Flair being this top wrestler and people getting upset that she's winning all the time. And winning multiple championships and off Charlotte's being crammed down his throat kind of thing. For me, that only, was only ever apparent when uh, she was put, I guess, the Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey stuff where Charlotte Flair had to get into that match and they found a way to do it. Uh, but her character fit that at that time, that she didn't really belong in the match and then she got pushed away as well. That it, it, uh, Her character worked in there. But she was also having, in ring quality, an amazing year. She's one of the best wrestlers going today, period. And the fact that... Uh, that kind of gets a little bit lost in a way. Uh, I've never really... Because she's such a great wrestler, I've never really cared. That makes any sense. <laughs> about the kind of like... All the booking behind her makes me hate her. Oh, she's good. I've never really felt that. And especially as she was a bad guy in that. It's odd when you kind of hear the reports of they still see her as the goody in these stories when she just isn't. <laughs> it's like me, I'm just like, are we getting worked there? Because she's clearly not the bad guy. She like, clearly is the bad guy in these stories she's not the hero going round like, yeah. Yeah. but her as NXT champion does excite me because I did see a lot of hate there where I was kind of like, and I was like oh she just buried very ripley like really did you watch the match <laughs> or, or does the fact that the pin happened is that the only thing that matters here it, none of the other context really matters at all I keep forgetting on Twitter context doesn't matter but with with Ray Ripley Charlotte, Ray Ripley went toe-to-toe with her for about 15-20 minutes and it took it took a lot out of Charlotte. And for me, I read it more as the, I guess, the NXT rookie really trying to prove herself against one of the best in the business in Charlotte. And she was overselling in doing show, so. And Charlotte Flair just kept hitting the leg, constantly going after the leg, just keeping on the leg. And eventually, as the match went longer and longer, that weakness became a bigger and bigger spot. Like the bright red shining spot on the video game for you to press triangle, that's Yakuza. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Well, there are other games. So in um, God of War, is it Circle or Elfie Arthur or something, just to do the devastating kill or something? She was glowing red on the knee and Charlotte Flair locked in the figure eight. And that's kind of how that story went. But they were really equal up to that point and Ripley was reversing everything. It took quite some time before Charlotte Flair really got a strong footing in there. Instead of like quick momentum reversals before Ray Ripley countered something, it's like yeah, Ray Ripley was really elevated by that, and now Charlotte Flair's NXT champion. Like, well, she did that with Ray Ripley. Surely she's going to do that with the other wrestlers as well. Then Io Shirai goes and wins the ladder match. It's like oh damn, yeah, 
I'm up for EO versus Charlotte. 100%. I'm. <laughs> that sounds like an incredible match. A moonsault off. Who can do the better moonsault? Um, yeah, it's... That match excites me, especially because of how Ray Ripley Charlotte Flair went down. With about... Again, it was 15 minutes of someone stepping up to one of the highest acclaimed wrestlers of the current generation on the main roster in Charlotte Flair, and Ray Ripley stepped up to her. And again, it was like the more long game by the veteran just constantly working at that one spot, which eventually became the weakness of the overzealous challenger. But even though Ray Ripley was NXT champion, it's different because of Charlotte Flair being on the main roster and holding all of those accolades. It's kind of like she... It's, yeah, Ripley was champion, but the underdog as well. Uh, but she got elevated by this because she went toe-to-toe with Charlotte Flair in an incredible opener. Like A live crowd would have gone crazy for it. Without it, you just hear lots of girls screaming <laughs> and loads of... Uh, are you watching porn memes as well? Yeah, generally, generally enjoyed that. Um, final note with NXT stuff. Uh, UK people can't go to America because, of course, because of the borders and the lockdowns and everything. So that's no Pete Dunne, that's no Jordan Devlin. Uh, obviously other people as well. But that, those two are important because those two are champions. So uh, William Meagle gave some announcements. First off, uh, Jordan Devlin is going to be stripped of the title. I guess in a John, Mac- John Moxley New Japan fashion couldn't show up to the show. So therefore, uh, it's crappy circumstances, but there's the breaks. So then, we're going to be having a Cruiserweight Championship tournament. Immediately, yes. 100% yes. Especially, uh, it won't be up to the Cruiserweight Classic kind of depths and levels to it. But... It, it it immediately gives the opportunity for at least one incredible match every single week. Uh, for I guess for this next stretch of NXT shows, these could be the matches of the night every single night as well. So, massive thumbs up about that. Sucks that the British people are being stripped of stuff. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll get some amazing matches and then you've got your champion versus the guy who never lost the belt. Yes, those matches are always great. And in terms of Pete Dunne, apparently, I thought I heard that no decision's been made yet. They're thinking on it, but obviously they're aware a decision has to be made. So that's that, I guess. But yeah, UK people can't travel to the shows. That's obviously going to create quite a bit of an issue. Aside from if you're living in America, obviously, like Seamus, like McIntyre, you're obviously there to make the show, so it's not as big of a deal. But yeah, with the folk who are abroad, like Pete Dunne, like Devlin, yeah, creates a bit of an issue, the fact that they can't get here, so... And there's a chance that our lockdown here in the UK might last about six months. So it's going to be quite a while. And I have no idea how long America's is going to last. It's not going to be Easter. But I I, I don't know how long it will be because I don't know their tactic. I don't even know if they have a nationwide tactic. It's probably going to be state by state. So, and God knows how long that's going to really take or how states open. Because, of course, the UK people have to fly in. So if Florida is like one of the early ones, because they're one of the first to get it, which gets the idea that they'll be one of the first to get over it as well. In theory, in my head, I don't really know enough about how America works, but that's definitely be true. But I don't, as the other states that aren't currently having their highest peaks, if they then get them later, then with Florida, where WWE will be, will be taping their stuff in, in, in assumption, that'll be where they'll be taping it, unless they've got their secret location in their in their Dana White private island <laughs> it's it's weird is it weird that I'm sad that's not happening that Dana White's uh, like fight island for the plot of Dead or Alive <laughs> the fact that that isn't happening it's, it's, it's a weird one where in terms of you know the science part of my brain the logic part where it's like that would never happen in a million years 
the, the virus can spread to an island. I live in the UK. Surely that proves that. <laughs> it can go to a separate island. But uh, but also on the other side of it as well, it's like, that's dead or alive. It's got a survival fight island. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> but it's not happening. That fell through just before I went live. All the news is coming out a little bit while. So uh, that's both a shame and also, yeah, of course not. <laughs> of course that's not happening. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> uh, but yes, I... Genuinely, I genuinely enjoyed this week of wrestling, and that kind of caught me by surprise a little bit. I'll click on the wrong bloody thing as I'm checking speaker. <laughs> but yeah, that generally caught me by surprise how much I enjoyed this week of wrestling. So, yeah. so one thing I've not talked about is uh, Monday Night Raw. Then I've not really talked about Monday Night Raw and how that one flowed as well. Uh, the idea seemed to be this week, because of course every single week they're learning from the previous mistakes and they've got WrestleMania for, to learn from as well. I guess in terms of the pacing and the editing of it, when do you throw to break and all whatnot, there, but how much do you show? And this week decided to go with the long match idea. So you've got your singles competitors, like the odd ones really as well. You've got wrestlers who aren't really featured that much, who got their chance to shine here. The Austin Creed with his Battle of the Brands idea, where you feature the guys who aren't getting featured as much but you got Apollo Crews who's now on Monday Night Raw uh, you don't know how much is you're available so there you go ha- have fun on the spot or if it's no you're generally getting called up to Raw now I guess like Bianca Belair feels like a proper call up whilst uh, Apollo Crews is like I don't know if it's you wrestling on this show because of availability and the circumstances or if you're a Raw superstar now don't really know but either way, he and Alistair Black had a proper 20-minute match. That was good. It just falls into the realm of there's no real reason to care, I guess, about Apollo Crews. It was a good week for the Dark Side of the Ring to do their documentary on the Brawl for All because it focused so hard on Bart Gunn, who, at, up until that point, he won the Brawl for All. His character, I guess, was pretty similar to Apollo Crews. Where he was at a certain level, we hadn't been given any reason to get invested in him at all, and then he goes out and puts out an amazing, amazing performance, and it's kind of like, oh, all oh, right, so he he can go, <laughs> and he's like, but there's no character reason to care, which is similar to Liv Morgan as well. Uh, she's had a lot more effort on and off though, but at least she's been some effort, sporadic, and it's, it may be, but at least it's been something. Compared to Apollo Crews, who's had nothing. Like, he doesn't exist. He's had his stuff with Chad Gable, where it's two small guys getting beaten up. Which, you know, doesn't really instill a reason for me to get behind the lad. And then he disappeared for months as well. <laughs> We've not really seen him. But uh, then he turns up and has a 20-minute great match against Alistair Black. We care about Alistair Black. But we don't really care about Apollo Crews that much. It's just more of a sign of Raw has three hours to fill and you really feel it whilst you're watching it. It's like, why else are Liv Morgan Asker and Alistair Black versus Apollo Crews getting this much time? Like, they generally wouldn't in normal circumstances. I'm partly thankful for it because I do enjoy that kind of... It's the longer matches that give time to flesh them out and actually care for the characters before the end arrives. Uh, both sides get in offense as well, so it's not just a flat-out beatdown. Uh, Alistair Black was always going to win against Apollo Crews, but Apollo Crews got in some good kicks. Like, he got in some genuine punches and throws. And he looked like a genuine competitor against Alistair Black compared to what we probably would have got on Monday Night Raw if everything was normal. And, yeah, I, I'm thankful for that. It would give a really different feel to the show. I think the longer matches might have worked. 
especially as for me the promos are some of the most awkward parts about the modern day kind of thing when WWE tried to do the show they would do anyway but in an empty arena and in an empty arena those scripted promos do not work they're pretty corny in front of a crowd but at least they react to kind of dull that and it kind of works in a way the delivery in front of a crowd can help but to nobody the line has nothing to fall back on but itself so when they're not that good yeah, so it makes sense to do like more of the wrestling side, which is what AEW Dynamite they did with their presentation. They just rely. But it helps that their presentation is more focused on that anyway. But when they did it, uh, when they do 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 it, when they do do, <laughs> when they do their non wrestling segments, it's more of like a big moment rather than just standard promo to introduce something. You don't get any of those, but you do get your kind of big reveals and moments and setups. You don't get the generic promo to introduce the next match type of thing which you get in WWE TV all the time but it really doesn't translate to the empty crowd arena at least it feels awkward to me I don't know if it feels awkward to everybody else but yeah delivering that promo which is scripted not really the best when it's got nothing else to fall back on but itself those lines can't work the wrestling though they've got an amazing roster they can rely on that (laughs) it bloody works Uh, yeah oh one note about the ladder match in NXT as well was the fact that it had so many people there, like the lack of a crowd didn't really mean anything because there was so much going on. There were so many bodies. There were the ringside folk as well. Um, that really helped sell kind of the craziness of it all. I genuinely enjoyed the match. <laughs> Just to kind of go crazy on that. Uh, but with Monday Night Raw, the longer matches really helped. Uh, the main event was interesting. Oh, actually, one rewind. The Three person with Street Profits and Bianca Belair, who's now on Raw, versus Angel Garza, uh, what's his face, Austin Theory and Zelina Vega. The fact that I went over three matches and three segments, oh, as I hit my sound shield, that was a little bit much, if I'm perfectly honest. Didn't need to go that long. <laughs> that said, again, I'm just really, I'm ha- the fact we've got a distraction like this and the fact that there is anything at all that I'm really thankful for, so I'm not going to be too critical of it. It's just that I did end up skipping through it. Being British, I'm not watching live, obviously, because I'm not mental. I'm recovering from aftershocks after two WrestleMania nights. <laughs> I'm not staying up for all. But yeah, it was it was long, and I started skipping through it. But I, I guess I get the point, and I don't really mind, given the circumstances. It is what it is. Uh, the main event was an interesting idea as well. You can't do this on the night after WrestleMania in front of a live crowd, because they see this and they're like, oh, right, I don't really care about that unless you give them a live match and you give the people at home this but I guess you could have just brought Big Show back but then they're not really going to go for that either as a live audience but in an empty arena and you do it as the night after Big Show came out it was, it was a different idea I guess and Big Show turns heel in <laughs> coming back I swear, it's incredible he's now started turning heel or face when he returns which is amazing <laughs> just in uh, somebody made the joke because um, the big show shows come up on Netflix and somebody made the joke uh, comparing it to uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi's film that went up on New Japan World and uh, my dad is a heel wrestler uh, so somebody, when the big show's show came out somebody tweeted my dad is a heel face face heel 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 face face heel 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 face heel heel face heel face heel wrestler <laughs> i love that <laughs> i've not i haven't got that right if i have that's incredible 
But yeah, now he's at a point where he turned heel when he returned to join the bar back at the Saudi show. Then he came back to to fight with Kevin Owens against Seth Rollins, turning face, and he's come back here to face Drew McIntyre turning heel. Within half a year, he, he's not even on the main roster, really. He's showing up every now and again. Here, he's prop- I'd assume he's here to promote the big show. show. <laughs> but he... In the heart, he's not even on the main roster, and in six months he's had three heel, three turns. <laughs> like you're not even a full time guy. How are you having this many? <laughs> I love how it. Uh, if that's kind of like a joke within that, every time he turns up, he's the other side. So he never has. He can never. You can never have any. You can pretty much guarantee there will be no long term allegiance if every time you turn up, you switch sides. <laughs> like I love it. Fantastic. Uh, but yeah, um, I saw, again, I saw some people like, oh, uh, this is a bit... Uh, whilst I thought it was fine, I enjoyed it. Again, I'm looking for a distraction. My bar is super low right now. I don't really care if like, if it's not hitting the same levels as you would normally expect. I don't care if some segments go on too long. The fact we're getting anything, yeah, it's fine. If I'm entertained by it and I can be distracted, like even if I was skipping through it, like there was some... I enjoyed the match for what I saw of it with the uh, six-person match. Six person mixed match, six person mixed match tag. Don't know why I can't speak now. But yeah, that was fine. Uh, Raw was a fine follow up distraction. It, will, it won't go down as the best Raw after WrestleMania, but it was a fine follow up given the circumstances. Uh, it does what happens next. I don't know if SmackDown is the first one that needs to be a new set, or if we've got Raw we've got till Raw next week. If I'm right, uh, one of these Raws will be the last one before they have to do a new set, and that's where we get a bit of an issue. Of do they record at the secret location, or have they recorded enough already where they can go for a little bit of a while? AEW have apparently got that out the way, so they've recorded all the way to Double or Nothing that I think was in May, because that really really helps. Um, yeah, yeah, it's and, and we'll just make one note with AEW as well, which I generally really enjoyed. Again, um, it's, it's just I can, I'm, I'm able to turn my brain off and just enjoy it. I don't have to think about things, and I don't know what about the presentation causes that feeling. I've got more than enough time to analyse it and eventually work it out, <laughs> but right now I don't really know. But I'm able to just enjoy it. I'm not thinking too hard. Maybe because the show does all the working for me, I don't need to use my brain. Um, or things get explained, so that really just helps. I can, or it's just again, could just be personal preference. It just it calls to me a little bit more. Uh, but I don't turn my brain off. Really enjoyed it. Uh, one of the things I really did like it's a little touch. But with uh, Jake Hager's story, because I did like numerous video packages hyping up next week's championship match between John Moxley and Jake Hager, and the story they used, where they incorporated reality into it rather than just mentioning, oh, with what's happening in the world right now, we've had to do this. Like they they twisted it, and I really liked it. Where Jake Hager was saying that I was training for a fight for Bellator in like early May, I was getting in ring shape for Bellator now all of that training because that show has been cancelled because of COVID-19 all of that training John Moxley is going to be for you there is no other second thing I'm in that kind of shape and now I'm focusing it on you it's like oh yes I love that (laughs) taking that twist taking reality kind of twisting it in that like that is the the perfect way to kind of take what's happening and twist it into the storyline yeah like not shying away from it either uh, and it's not taking it full on head first to kind of depress you a bit. It's twisting what is there into the the wrestlers who, if they exist in the real world, then this will be affecting them. So it makes sense that the way they then go with their kind of talking points to the other wrestlers, they do sometimes play off of it. So yeah, 
Unless you're Bodie Lee. Love that. Uh, also, uh, get on the note of Bodie Lee uh, as I'm drifting off all over the place. <laughs> I finished with WWE for this week. Yeah, again, uh, until I did my Photoshop, I had no idea what I was going to do for this show because my brain just wasn't turned on for wrestling at all. But yeah, watching AW was fun as well. But uh, with the Brody Lee stuff where um, Ryan Satin tweeted out, oh, and here we go, another Vince McMahon thing. Uh, immediately in the comments, it's like, this isn't a famous Vince McMahon thing. Like, is this a Vince thing? Like, or oh, another Vince thing, this time he's uh, bulleting guys for not dressing smart or whatever. <laughs> and the thing that got me was, I noticed it because I, uh, I think I, wa- I was in the same room as somebody else watching the Scientology documentary, uh, which was about the leader, what's his... Oh, it's not coming to me now, but the leader of the... It begins with M, I'm pretty certain. But the leader, the Scientology, current Scientology leader. And what Brody Lee was saying was like, word for word, hit the Scientology leader guy. Then I logged onto Twitter and immediately saw the Vince McMahon stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, it's kind of sad that's gone over your head. And first off, you feel negative about any complaining because you thought it was a Vince McMahon thing. And it's like, oh, well, you're missing all the Scientology stuff. And that's a shame in a way because I'm loving it because of it is incorporating some Scientology stuff, and maybe that says more about Vince <laughs> or people's perceptions of Vince that the wires between him and the leader of the Scientology world uh, they, they cross over to such a point that you just assumed it was a Vince thing when word for word he was quoting the Scientology guy <laughs> whose name is not coming to me. <laughs> so, uh, oh well, I don't get to accidentally promote the guy, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I'm really loving the Dark Order stuff. Uh, not it's one of those things where on Twitter it seems like it's quite down and people are like stop doing the Vince McMahon stuff, but personally for me I generally enjoy it. I don't really I don't mind for that stuff. They're slowly building a unique character off of it, and if it's a Vince slash Scientology thing uh, slash whatever they introduce next, because they've got all the time in the world to slowly build this up, then yeah I'm all in for it. No pun intended. But yeah, do you enjoy it? Um, Forty five minutes. I feel like I should do more, but there is isn't anything <laughs> to say really it's uh, I enjoyed Wrestlemania I enjoyed the pre-recorded stuff and it's good to see that in terms of the perception of the show those are the two things that are standing out the most the two things that were the, probably the biggest gamble for WWE they're the two that will go down as what this Wrestlemania really meant and it because it elevates some future stars as well especially Andrew McIntyre some disappointments I guess Edge Orton seems to have split people. For me, I'd only call it a disappointment because by the end of it, I was just waiting for it to end. And the again, I, want, I was super invested because I before uh, I watched WrestleMania, instead of watching the kickoff, I watched Edge's 24 documentary. So I was like really behind. It's a fantastic documentary. Uh, highly recommend you go watch it. But that meant I was really invested in the match and I was enjoying the start of it. I probably Because of that, I probably endured the gym stuff way easier than other people. Wasn't either, I wasn't really analysing things, didn't really notice anything out of the ordinary until I went on Twitter and went, oh yeah, crap, they did that, didn't they? But because I was invested, because I watched the documentary right before WrestleMania, that means I was right in there. I was, re- I was generally with it. I even cheered for Parkour Edge <laughs> during, when he was doing running stuff during the gym uh, session. The gym session. <laughs> but yeah, then slowly over time, I just got bored with it. And by the end of the match, I was zoning out. Again, I, I am English. I was watching it on English time, so it was in the middle of the night, but I felt a little bit sad after that, that I kind of just got tired of it by the end of it, which kind of saddened me a bit because I was so invested when it started, and that carried me through quite a large portion of the match, but going towards 40 minutes, uh, personally that was too much. 
Uh, Edge has apparently talked on the uh, Corey Graves podcast, uh, which is a podcast I don't listen to, but he, so, aka I've not heard the clips of anything, but apparently Edge was talking about, so this is second-hand knowledge, this is kind of the point I'm trying to get to there. So apparently Edge was saying that he was thought that the story they were telling was perfectly fine to need that amount of time, which is kind of my, my person, as a viewer, on the back end of it, not associated with the creative at all in any way. My personal take was 40 was too much for the story they were telling, and I zoned out. But I've already said, maybe if it was just trimmings, they like just trimmed the fact you edited it a bit better and kept the core the core things of every single scene, maybe could even stay there. Even the walking, brawling down the halls, to some degree, could stay there. But if you just trimmed the fat, then there might not have been as such a need for me to just try and figure out what my issue is with it. For me, it was too long. That's just a personal preference watching it there live. There's not really much more to it with Edge Orton. Uh, anyway, enjoyed WrestleMania, which was a huge surprise and I'm really, really grateful for that. Really enjoyed uh, AEW Dynamite. NXT enjoyed the ladder match, the cinematic. I think I was just kind of a bit bored of wrestling by the time I was watching the NXT main event and I needed to stop. Uh, again, I was thinking about this show and I was like, I've got nothing for it. My brain's just turning off. <laughs> and Monday Night Raw, it happened. It was fine, I guess. But I generally enjoyed everything else about it. Um, it's a great week for wrestling, surprisingly. Like, there's a lot for you to escape into, which right now is the important thing, really. Are you able to, kind of, just for a little while, forget about the world and get into wrestling? This week, the answer was yes. So, massive thumbs up. Uh, so, thank you for listening to me babble on. I'm like, 50 minutes in. I feel like I have to do more content, but <laughs> I've got nothing. I've burnt myself out. Uh, but I, again, I have done... Uh, Aftershock last week was the final preview before WrestleMania. I've done two Aftershocks after both nights of WrestleMania. So it's like my fourth show in seven days. <laughs> I am ready to turn off. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I am back here next Thursday at NLP Radio after a week's break. It's going to feel marvellous instead of like a couple of days. And I'm still recovering from the whiplash of WrestleMania <laughs> in terms of the late nights because I'm going to bed at 4, a, 4 or 5 a.m. Like, it's, it's knackering. Anyway... I'm back here next Thursday on EP Radio at the same time as 7 EST slash Midnight GMT. Uh, but please do check out the other shows here on NLP Radio. Live after AEW, we've our, we have our post-Dynamite show, Dynamite After Dark, with Jamal and Jeff. Uh, Fridays, we normally have the Legacy Series for NWA Power. But with the current situations, uh, Miss Van and Mystic are currently producing the Wrestling Mystery Bag, where it's three or four different wrestling matches to go to from all over the place. A genuine bag. I don't... Uh, yeah, a genuine bag of mystery. <laughs> and it, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy those shows. Uh, Saturdays is normally is reserved for All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view stuff. Uh, but Sundays is reserved for WWE. Of course, last week we had Aftershocks on both nights, so content. Uh, Tuesdays is Kingdom of Honor with Jam and his friend Jeff talking, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, whatever. Uh, here on LP YouTube, we also have the Quick and the Painless Pro Wrestling Podcast which has yeah, made its jump over to LOP slash Wrestling Headlines on the YouTube channel. And we've got some shows in the works, but of course the wider world has put everything into spin. So who knows what's really happening? And that's the kind of course for all of these shows as well. Uh, what's going on in the world will obviously widely affect the lineup. We'll try and keep it as strong and ongoing as we can, but obviously we'll have to we'll put something out if something happens, is all I'm saying. Anyway, thank you for listening to this. You weird people listening to a British man in the middle of the night talk about wrestling to a wall. <laughs> I will be back next week. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. Read my columns on Laws of Pain under Imp's Wrestling Adventure. Uh, I post them every single week, most weeks. Last week I was busy. Uh, I say I post them every week. Obviously, in current circumstances, and I've already said I'm so busy, I've hardly got any time to think about wrestling. I am, yeah. If I get a column out, it's a miracle. So maybe over the weekend I will get something out. Uh, there's still content being put out. Uh, Don is doing an amazing job uh, getting the main event columns out as well. Uh, Tito's blasting stuff out every Saturday as well. Uh, I don't know if he's got his main column and a big series going on as well. I don't know if that's a one-off or whatever. He did a couple weeks back. But anyway, you got content coming out quite consistently on Lots of Pain right now. Some people have got time. <laughs> Most people didn't go to look af- like after somebody, so they're quite lucky. I- I- I've realised I'm both lucky in terms of that aspect and also unlucky in the sense of I can't really have any I don't really have any time to dedicate to wrestling unless it's in the middle of the night but I need that to recover for the next day <laughs> anyway I'm going to stop waffling on with that I bid you adieu thank you for listening adios and now you Cretin says YouTube isn't responding that's perfectly fine Perfectly fine. Yes, perfectly fine. Anyway, uh, I... Podcast people will be leaving now. <laughs> yeah, I've got very, very little brain space left to do a proper sign-off for you, but this is extra content for the podcast people, which I promise every time. I don't know. I know. Maybe we should start putting out a question or something and then make this actual worthwhile <laughs> checking out this version rather than me just wasting time till I press the play button for the theme song. That's the only bonus you get at the moment. You get to hear the theme tune again. Same tune I've had all the way since I started this podcast with Burn, because uh, his girlfriend at the time made it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a little behind-the-scenes story. There you go. For the bonus for the podcast listeners over the YouTube listeners. So yes, we uh, the theme tune was made by Burn's girlfriend at the time, and uh, yeah, <laughs> then I put the ten on it. Uh, that was it. Yeah, she made the tune. I put the ten on it. And it's been the same song we've used ever since. We made that way before Laws of Pain. We've kept the same theme tune. Most podcasts update it <laughs> or something. Especially as at the time the podcast was called the Perfect 10 Wrestling Podcast. So it made sense for the 10 to be on there because it was Perfect 10 Wrestling. A tired Ninja was an up-and-coming NXT wrestler that we're both really into. It's one of the earlier things we bonded over. And now that's like no but I like the themes still. <laughs> it's got like no context. If you've not listened for to us for a long time so as I said, we used that for months before we got signed up to LOP, which was like late 2016. So yeah, that was a little bit wild for us, jumping from eight listeners to thousands. <laughs> we were not ready for that. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I'm going to play the theme in a second. I'll be back next week. With that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.